0: And our kids are dismissed to head out to Bible Adventures and, and kids' ministry. I want to invite everyone to stick around for the taco lunch life service. There are plenty of uh, tacos that you are welcome to enjoy. Please make time to, to join us across the hall. We'll have a, a great time of fellowship. There's going to be pinatas uh, for the kids as well or adults if you want to. like. Get, yeah, Some people are very excited about the pinata. And it's okay. There's Nobody's going to be checking ID or whatever to make sure that it's okay if you do that. I also want to um, put <clears throat> put something out there that is uh, important that's, that's coming up um, on April 5th. This is actually first Sunday of March, but April 5th we're doing uh, Be the Church Sunday, which is just always a lot of fun. We decided last year to try this for the first time where we just come together and think, okay, how can we use this time of worship to bless our community? What ideas could we come up with? And so we're, we have our own ideas, but I'd love to have your ideas as well. Anything that you come up with, you can say, you know, it'd be awesome. I mean, I'm connected with somebody at a, a nursing home, or I'm connected with someone who's at a nonprofit, and I have this idea, Brian, like I'd love to do this on uh, Be the Church Sunday on April 5th. So let me know, talk to me. I'd love to have your ideas, because we have some of our own, but we'd love to have your thoughts as well. How can we be a blessing to our community uh, during that time? So this morning, um, I, I felt like it was important for us to think a little bit about Anxiety and and fear. Uh, it feels like uh, coronavirus is in the air, um, figuratively more than literally. But I know um, for me that that just like you check it every little bit. You know, every few hours. Like, hey, what, what's happening? What's what's going on? Um, and. How is it that, that we live as, as people with um, an understanding of, of God's presence, who we're called to be, to, to be filled with, with hope, even in situations that, that are difficult? It might be a little bit shorter than usual, so we'll win, so we get tacos faster. So, uh, but um, I wanted to just spend some time thinking about that, because I could tell you some reasons not to be afraid about this. Because people would say, well, it's just like the flu, and probably less people will die from that than the flu, Or it's just a small percentage of people that actually experience this really tragically, that oftentimes it's just like the symptoms of a cold for somebody. There's some reasons why I could tell you not to be afraid, but there's also some reasons to think, like this is something that we want to be careful about and something that we want to take seriously as well. But as we begin this time this morning, I just want to ask you, what is the condition of your heart as you... Think about that and perhaps other things that you're dealing with. Fear and anxiety, it seemed is kind of always a a part of our lives in the way uh, that we live today. So what is it that your heart feels this morning? There's a pastor named Sam Robinson speaking of piñatas. He said, we are like piñatas. If we get hit, stuff falls out. And I think that's true, that oftentimes... It's in moments like this when we are called to like really think about what is it that I really believe about the world. We can come, even Christian people perhaps, who come week after week and celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. Then when we sometimes get some things to be worried about and, and fear and anxiety comes up, it's like, whoa, I, I can forget all that stuff that I've been practicing for all these years. And what does it look like to be people of hope Feed be people of peace even when things are difficult because like pinatas, stuff is falling out of us at this point. And I think it's important for us to have the posture that God calls us to even when things are difficult so that we can be examples in our neighborhoods, in our communities to show the peace of Christ that we all have. There's a Chinese philosopher who said this this way, if there's to be peace in the world, there must be peace in the nations. If there's to be peace in the nations, there must be peace in the cities. If there's to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there's to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in the home. If there's to be peace in the home, there must be peace in the heart. I think this is true. And oftentimes, for me, if I'm honest, I can say I'm going to get around to that peace when, like, these five things line up. So, God, I'm going to pray about these things. And, you know, once you fix this and this and this and this, then I'm going to have peace. And then some of that stuff gets fixed. And then next week, I'm like, all right, I have another five. Like, here's another five things. God, if you can work on that, you know, I'm going to try to do my best. And I know that I believe that lie at times in my life, that, you know, once I get through this season or, you know, this, this is really stressful or this is really hard, but once I get through that, then I'm going to, like, arrive at, at this point or we have this idea that, you know, once I'm able to, you know, buy a house in California, which no one can do, or whatever, you know, once I... Once I, and you think of these, these lists of things, you say, God, can you help me, you know, can I maybe just find a million dollars on the ground somewhere or something, or whatever it is that you say, okay, like, uh, if I made this amount of money, or if I did this, or figured this out, or if I got married, or if I had kids, like, then I would have peace. So God, here's, like, my list. If you could work on that, that'd be great. But in reality, I think we need to recognize that it comes from inside of us, not something that is offered to us. is like, okay, eventually you know, I'm going to get this figured out and everything's going to be better. And I think this is true. If we want to have peace in the world, it starts with us striving to have more peace in our lives. It starts with, with us centering ourselves on the presence of God. It starts with us really dwelling on it is that we're called to be in the world as we think about what this looks like i think we do need to recognize that that pain exists that things are hard to recognize what it is that that god thinks about death i can't help but think of the story of lazarus in, in john chapter 11 where jesus gets word that his friend lazarus is sick and it's a very odd story because jesus gets this word that his friend is sick and then the next line is, and Jesus stayed where he was for three more days. Just very strange. Like, okay, Lazarus is sick. I'm just going to chill here for a while. doesn't make sense. And then Jesus says, it's time for us to go. And when he gets there, Lazarus's sisters are upset at him. Like, where have you been? What's going on? Where are you at? Especially if it's frustrating enough when we have things that go wrong in our lives that we would say, God, wouldn't you want to fix this? Like, don't, don't you want to like, make this better? It would make life so much better if, if that was just fixed. Like, but it's harder for people who actually saw Jesus healing people, right? People who have walked around and seen the miracles that Jesus has done. People who've been around as he's like, fed thousands of people and, and healed blind people. And you'd think that you'd get the friends and family discount, right? I mean, come on. We've seen you do this for like random people around town, like what? Ab- what about when? La- like we're 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 a tight posse. We're we're friends. This is, don't you think he would be somewhere up on on your priority list, toward the top? Instead, you receive word, and you're like, all right, I'll just hang out for a few days, and I'll get around to it sometime. So Jesus goes, and his friends aren't too happy with him. And as he sees what's going on during that time, they would have had professional mourners. It still actually exists in some countries today. They have professional mourners, people who are hired to help you actually get your emotions out. It actually would be helpful for us to have professional mourners probably in our world today. But people who are trained in like the art of wailing and crying and, and recognizing pain to help you recognize pain. I know for us sometimes when we have a, a tragic death or something, it's like... How do I move on? Do do I ever move on? What is this going to look like? Sometimes we need some people to come in and professionally help us to think about how we mourn and how we grieve. So you imagine this scene, there are professional mourners there who are helping the family as, as Lazarus has died and Jesus sees his friends who are mixed with disappointment, anger, and confusion and he's overwhelmed and he pauses in one of the most beautiful verses in Scripture to me, John eleven thirty five, And he weeps. This is, again, one of those odd things because you think he knows he's going to rise Lazarus from the dead in just a few verses. But as he sees the emotion in this scene, as he sees what's happening, as he really like feels it as he's there, he pauses and he cries. For me as a minister, it's... A blessing at times, it's oddly a blessing to be around people who are going through periods of mourning. And sometimes people say, how can you go and be there? And it's like, I've learned that the way to do it is to just literally go and be there. Don't try and tell people why it happened. Don't try to explain this. Just literally sometimes people need you to just sit and, and weep with them. To be the presence of Jesus in a very small way, just as Jesus here is in this moment, where he, despite what eventually he's going to do, he, he pauses because he recognizes the grief that's in that place. The Christian hope isn't something that is just fake and that's pie in the sky, it's actually about crying those tears and still choosing to believe and still choosing to have hope. So Jesus pauses with his friends he cries. And then he comes to the tomb, and it tells us this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. And that phrase that's translated deeply moved, um, more aggressively it, it might be translated as like pissed off. When Jesus sees the result of of death, he's angry. It's like a deep, bellowing ache in his heart. As he looks at the pain that this has caused, he's angry about it. This might be one of the greatest stories that we see of God as we think about God understanding pain and suffering our world. If you look in the scriptures to try and figure out why suffering happens, there's not an answer as there really wouldn't be um, because there's not a way we were talking in our Sunday morning class that there's certain pain that happens that there's not going to be an answer for. That, you know, someone dies of cancer and there's not like, well, you know, oh, they died of cancer, but it's okay because of this and this and this. No, there's certain things that are going to happen that are just painful. It is what it is. The closest that Jesus gets to a discussion about pain and suffering in the world is uh, there's a guy who, is, who has a, a blindness and he's brought before Jesus and they basically are asked him, like, who, who sinned? This guy or the person who was before him? And, and Jesus ends up like, I don't want to deal with those categories. Uh, he, he says, but actually what I can tell you is that this pain and suffering, it can reveal the glory of God. So I'm not going to tell you why because actually the answer to why there's pain and suffering in the world, there's not going to be a satisfactory answer. But God's redemption can even be shown through this. So in moments like this where sometimes we're wondering, you know, what to do, what are we called to do, how how do we respond As unfortunately, experts seem to be saying that the virus is going to get better, worse before it gets better, perhaps, and sometimes that might be on a small scale, sometimes it might be on a larger scale, but as we consider what that is, I think we need to recognize that God calls us to be people who are moved, who do what we can to be a blessing in the world in a time like this, and ultimately that we would be people who seek to have the peace of God, a peace that scripture says passes all understanding. In the Old Testament, we see that the goal of, of, of life is this unity with God, the shalom of God. If you know any Hebrew, you probably know that word, shalom, peace. And oftentimes when we talk about what it is to like understand faith and, and religion, we think about it as, as sin forgiveness and like a get out of hell free card, basically. But what ultimately we are forgiven of and why we are forgiven of our sins is for peace, We think about sin forgiveness and we focus on that because it ultimately leads us to peace with God and that leads us to peace with other people. We are people who seek shalom, who have peace that isn't just a peace that is like this pie in the sky, not real thing. It's something that actually in real life, when things get hard, when the stock market collapses, when health is a concern, when we deal with hard things, and I look around this room and I think about it as a church, we've dealt with some hard stuff together. We believe that God walks with us, not because everything is perfect, but because God joins us even when there is conflict. One of the most troubling promises of Jesus is that in this world you will have trouble. He invites us to have a peace even in the midst of that. In John chapter 14, as he's giving a pep talk to his disciples, he says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And I wish that as I think about this and how hard it is to actually live into the reality of a verse like that at a time when we are anxious, when we're wondering What's next? I wish I could just tell you, you know, just pray three times in the morning and then you'll be better in 10 days. Like, I, I wish I could, like, write some sort of biblical prescription for you. And that's sometimes what we want. That's the world that we live in. It's like, you know, once I get sick enough, just give me an antibiotic so I can kick this thing out. Then we'll then it'll be, you know, 10 days, take this thing two times, then I'll be back on my way. We wish that it was that way, that we could just live in a feeling of prescription. But this is a posture of the heart that we always have. It's a way of us leaning into a reality that goes beyond ourselves. It's leaning, as the old song would say, on the everlasting arms. The everlasting arms which have helped people through generations of of conflict, stress, and anxiety. Paul writes to the Philippians, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Don't be anxious about anything. Pray. Center yourself on God's spirit and presence. And Paul writes the book of Philippians, historians think, from prison. And so he uses the, the word, Christ will guard your hearts. He uses the word for guard, a guard who was likely standing outside his door as he was in prison. This is a very real thing. This is a situation where likely people think that Paul was executed shortly after the book of Philippians was written. So it isn't like, you know, fix this and everything will be perfect. No, it's Paul is writing with a guard about a guard. and <laughs> He said, if you bring your hearts before God. If you continue to petition your God, may your heart be guarded. Don't be anxious about anything, but bring your petitions to God because God cares, God knows, and God's with us. I think about Psalm 23, arguably one of the more popular Verses in in all of Scripture. A Psalm of David, as is written very largely there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that literally translated in Hebrew can better be even though I walk through the darkest valley. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is a beautiful psalm. It describes quiet waters and rivers. But it also describes conflict, right? That I can have a meal across from my enemy. Maybe you don't have any enemies. I don't really have any enemies. But I can have a meal with somebody who doesn't like me very much. I can have a meal across from somebody who causes my anxiety to rise just a little bit. And I can still experience your peace and your hope. Not because this isn't hard, but because of who you are. At a time like this, as we are wondering, you know, what is this going to look like? What are the implications of this? May we find quiet waters, the still places. What well, perhaps is a still place that you've been a little bit too busy and just walking right past? What's a verse in scripture that maybe you need to put to memory during this time? And every time you wake up, just, just say it to yourself. To remind you that God's presence is here. Maybe we live with a sense of God's presence and peace and lean into that with all of our hearts. I saw a study recently on prayer that says that there was a, a longitudinal study. There was groups of people who were focused on doing prayer and they watched this group for 20 years and they said it was incredible to watch how like, healing and and the at the time in prayer promoted, like f- both spiritual and physical healing. It's that moment when you walk away from everything that you're doing and you recognize that, yeah, I'm not, I'm not in control. There are moments like this in our world where we realize, like, I'm, I'm not in control. I, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. And it's in prayer that healing is is truly promoted in us. As we think about who are our spiritual ancestors are, who our spiritual matriarchs and, and patriarchs are, I think of Christians who stood up to tyranny, who, many of them, you won't even know their names. There are some who are, are written about. But early on, the, the Christian movement is just a handful of people who believed very deeply in the message of Jesus. Historians around that time who are, are not Christian historians write things about this weird group of people. Like when a disease rips through a town or when there's a leper community, when most people run away, this weird group of Christians, they go toward it. And one historian comments about Christians, it's like they don't worry about death. What if we could live more into that reality. To understand that there are real concerns, to wash our hands, to be careful, but to then say that I trust God even with my life. That as I, I'm going to go about my neighborhood, as I'm in my community, may I be an instrument of peace for God in the world. Yes, there's gonna be conflict, whether it's it's personally in us or things that are going on around us. I'm gonna tune into the constant anxiety that's telling us what to worry about. And why is it that you're so worried about coronavirus? Yeah, maybe it's because it, it's legitimate and needs to be worried about, but also it's because you've been told to worry about it, right? What are some places where you can find a deeper sense of peace, even in conflict? May we find the still waters that God is leading us to, even as our lives are often stressful. May we be like the early Christians who people just said, it's like they don't even fear death because of the hope we have in Christ. We're going to sing an old hymn now, which is a good way for us, I think, to remember the stillness that, that God invites us to. But let's stand, and let's go back to Psalm 23 together, actually. And let's, let's read Psalm 23 uh, together as, as we close this morning, as we think about God's presence being with us at, at all moments of our lives. Go to the next one for me. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's worship together.